0: Today's episode was brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter offer code NATE at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build a beautiful. Today's sponsor is Loot Crate. For less than 20 bucks a month, Loot Crate gives the geek in you a special treat every month. Loot Crate is a subscription box service with 40 bucks worth of geek, gamer, and pop culture gear, collectibles, apparel, comics, etc., delivered to your mailbox every month. This month, they're celebrating all the monsters you can fit in your pocket and the ones you need some crazy circle drawing skills to bring to the mortal realm. This month's crate features an exclusive collectible they're told is the, quote, most important object in pretty much the whole universe, close quote, plus awesome items from Blizzard, Kid Robot, and more. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. But when the cutoff happens, that's it. It's over. So... Go to LootCrate.com slash Nate and enter code Nate to save three bucks on your new subscription today. (laughs) It's reading aloud. It's book club week, and I have three friends sitting around a table with me. Uh, all new to the book club. They've all I've, I've had experiences with all of them with reading aloud, but this is the first time that they've read a book, and they've come in and sat around this table to talk about it. Um, Jessica Chaffin, Ryan Cartwright, and uh, Robert Baker are sitting in this table, and I'm so glad that you guys are here. And you read this 530-page book with me this week. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, it was great. Um, A little housekeeping before we begin. Next month's book club choice is Jonathan Franzen's Purity. And a little anecdote, I went to the Jonathan Franzen Reading last weekend downtown. Uh, Sparsely attended. Granted, it was a Saturday and it was an 800-seat theater, but there was probably 400 people there. I expected there to be more as he's maybe the most famous American novelist Right? Probably. Living. Living. Yeah. yeah. He's up there. Yeah, he's up I'm there. I'm sure Elizabeth Gilbert wouldn't like to hear that. N- yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. Um <laughs> or Michael Crichton <laughs> or, or Daniel Steele. Yeah, Michael, Daniel Steele. Michael Crichton, be Crichton is not alive. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Last year or something? recently. Uh, sometime. Yeah. Franzen is alive, and he's a grumpy grandpa, and people are um, turned off by him because he hates the internet and hates young people. He's Um, not even that old, is he? No, he's like 52
1: or something. Yeah, he's like
0: 57 or something. He's young. Um, But I went to the reading, and he was so strange. He was exactly how I was hoping him to be, just like walking out there and very kind of bizarre, and he had a sense of humor, I think. But I'm not sure if he was aware of it. Was he keeping
2: it in check a little bit?
0: I I mean, a little bit, but it was... I mean, it came out during the question and answer session. He was also like embarrassed by what he was reading, and there were moments where he was reading stuff and he would stop and go, Ugh, "This is kind of boring and not funny." But I read the funny section yesterday at a bookstore, and I don't really want to read it again. And people would just laugh because he's weird and famous. But the the Q and A section was great because he was so methodical in answering all the questions. He really someone asked him a question, he would stank, stand there for like thirty seconds, just quietly pondering the question and then answer. Uh, and then I waited in line for like an hour for him to sign my book. And my friend Amy made me a birthday card last week and drew drew on the cover my cat Wallace who Jessica has an opinion about.
1: No, I forgot your birthday.
0: And so it's don't worry about it. Ugh.
1: <laughs> that was the, Ryan that and was, Robert didn't. That was the look. You've you've a cool cat. Your cat is a beautiful Actor
0: cat. I have a great, cool actor cat who should be on the stage. i have central
1: casting, yeah. Yeah,
0: central casting cat. She drew my cat and uh, and Jonathan Franzen with their arms around each other. <laughs> and so I brought that up with me in line to Jonathan Franzen. And he signed my book, and I was with Amy. I was like, I just, uh, this may sound strange, but my my sweet friend Amy made this card for me. And I, it was the first time I saw him <laughs> smile all night. And he was looking at his likeness, and I was like, these are two people that entertain me in very different ways. I was like, can you sign it? And then he opened the card and read the inside. Oh, no. Which is like a personal, like, just friend <laughs> message. I was like, what the fuck are you doing reading my birthday card, Jonathan Franson? I almost, like, <laughs> closed it. And then he, uh, and then he s- closed it and smiled and said, I- I'll-, I'll initial my legs. And then he initialed it. And right now it's in a frame shop in Los Feliz getting framed. Pretty cool. That was like one him. of the
1: happiest pictures I've ever seen of you. There was a picture she posted of you or you posted that she took of you. Mm-hmm. And you looked so happy. Well, I
0: was putting it on. That was a fictional.
1: Oh, you're a good actor. Thank you so
0: much. We're talking about, we're not talking about Jonathan Franzen anymore. We're talking about All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. 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 D-O-E-R-R. It won the Pulitzer Prize last year. The New York Times listed it as one of the 10 best books of 2014. It was a finalist for the National Book Award. And it was spectacular. I'm going to jump around and have everyone share their their brief points of view, and then we'll get into specifics about the book. I'll start. I loved it. I actually wrote down halfway through the book um, that you only get to read a book for the first time once, and I literally had to slow myself down. I was like, savor this. (laughs) Savor this language, because you will not get to read this book for the first time again. And I haven't felt that way in a while, where I wanted to really sort of bathe in the words a little bit and spend my time um, he forced me to do that because it was so it was so fantastical and fun it was a beautiful enormous fairy tale um, it had enormous scope and over the course of 530 pages he, he got it smaller and smaller and smaller and brought all these stories together um, I found it incredibly compe- uh, compelling and beautiful I would recommend this to a friend Uh, I would recommend it to a stranger. I thought it was amazing. Um, Jessica Chaffin, your thoughts on this book?
1: Well, it's interesting. uh, It's funny. I wish I had written notes down, which I didn't. So I'm not going to be very good in this conversation. You're going to be great. um, There was something about the way that he wrote. I would say that I'm a natural – I'm probably a natural cynic and also probably a natural romantic these are not ideas mm. I've given a lot of thought to until just this moment. but those are two very different things. I understand. That are... But reading this <laughs> read, <laughs> but reading this book uh, put a lot of that into conflict for me because I naturally kind of wanted, and I am a this is a period of history that I like and know a lot about. and yeah. and actually, I didn't even think about it this until now. but and the first kind of chapter book I ever read, was about the Holocaust because I was always I was obsessed with the Holocaust from mm. a really young age like the second I could read I was like what else can I read about this awesome thing where all these people died um but it's just one of those things it's a dilemma that you just can't um I just can't ever you can't ever and I think this is why people are fascinated for many reasons but one is that it's like you your brain can't put it together unless you possibly were part of it or in the middle of it or something like Uh that you can't comprehend that humanity could behave in that fashion and for so long and in such a manner and you know like so people just can't get enough of it and actually reading this book made me feel it felt like young adult fiction to me
0: yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and
1: so uh, there were times where I was like this is a young adult novel and then there were times where I was just like, but that was sort of the cynic,
0: yes, saying fighting
1: like against. it being like, well then and the and it's beautifully written. There are a couple moments I think where it like me it gets a little bit up its own ass and meanders a little bit in terms of the floweriness of the language and whatever, yeah, but I mean, if a writer can't do that in their novel, then I don't know w- what we're doing here, totally, but uh. Yeah, so it made me feel like I was like 14 and reading a book when I was 14. Funny. And yeah, so yeah. it made me feel like I, or like 11 maybe even. And it just sort of made me feel like I loved reading it, but that I felt really young when I was reading
0: it. It is very young adult. It's, I mean, it's incredibly accessible. It's a very easy book to read. Robert and I were chatting about this a little bit. It flies. Um, but it is, yeah, a little bit young adult-y. I, that, that makes sense to me. Um, Ryan, this is your first book club officially. You came to recording of Atrus for Hawk Hawk, and inadvertently you became part of that book club because I grabbed you out of the audience I would have jumped up yeah yeah Uh, what are your thoughts on this book Uh, I really
2: liked it yeah Uh, when I started it I was falling in love like super quick yeah me too in a way it was that thing of feeling like a child reading again yeah and I was going along I was like wow and super quick read loving the short chapters and then around and then I tried to slow down a bit Then in the middle, I kind of, I I started feeling a little bit manipulated, Mm -hmm. a little bit controlled in this like clockwork mechanism of the structure. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, all right, let's let's, you and I take a little break. Took a little break and I was like, all right, dived back in, started falling in love again, but in the end, just good friends. Just really, really good friends. Right,
0: yeah. Someone you won't think about when you're on your deathbed. But you have a great relationship with this I group. hope
2: they will be there on my Oh, deathbed. fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> they will be troubled. But, uh, yeah, it's so tempting to say loved. Yes. But I just have to hold. I hear off. you. Really, really liked more, yep. more than uh, many, many books.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Robert. Uh,
2: I,
3: I really liked Loved It as well. Uh, it had, like, all the sort of, you know, things that, you know, it was very beautifully written. The characters were all really well-developed and there was a nice range of them and it did start like young adult and then just got as they grew up everything just got worse and worse like you really saw how they were hiding all this shit from the kids to indoctrinate them as Nazis Yeah, and yeah. then they start seeing it and like it, by the end like when you know everyone is dying and the little girl gets raped and all this oh, stuff it's god. just like oh Jesus. my god yeah, it's it just ends. like boom, it really boom, fucking boom yeah but it did. It had like some intangibles, like the flow of it. Like because I also was flying through it and kind of had to stop as well because I would have read it in a week and not remembered any of this exactly. for now. And then ended up having to read eighty pages last night because of that. Right. Like, yeah. Same here. Yeah. I had a hundred to knock out
0: last <laughs> was, night. I
1: did a stop-start also. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I really loved the um, the formation, the way that it was written the the time jumps. I, I thought that worked it was very clever the way that it was introduced as the, it was the bombing day. The leaflets were dropping from the sky mm-hmm. and they had to get down to the basement and she was freaking out cause the bombs were coming and it was all of a sudden like, all right, shit's about to happen. And, and then it would go 75 pages and it would, you know, sprinkle a little back in 1944. Then it would go back to uh, 18, uh, 1944 and then go back to 1940 and it sort of jumped back and forth and when it's at times it got a little bit slow, like when we're, they were, when he was at the school, mm-hmm. um, and before the father went uh, left um, before the father left uh, St Moa. yeah, yeah. Uh, it got a little bit slow. I, I still enjoyed the writing, but there wasn't as much. The tension wasn't as ramped. Mm-hmm. And just the moment at that moment, I started to feel that the von Rumpel character became what a great Nazi and ama- a mate specta- I envisioned the guy it was so Indiana Jones I saw the dude with <laughs> the glasses who ends up burning his hand on like the amulet his yeah, face yeah. gets melted uh, I wrote
3: down he said I am very good at waiting yeah like, that was his like Pride point was his patience. That yes. was like all he had going for him. Absolutely, was his patience.
0: that scene
1: was pretty incredible. Yeah. That, that's and then
3: a he's scene. dying a slow death from this cancer. And his, mo- <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, the motiv- his motivation as well to find this jewel is mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. I thought was really great. Yeah, it was like uh, needing it to. One of the old export like yeah. you, Ponce de
3: Leon, like trying to find, you know, the fountain of,
0: of youth or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, his character and that waiting scene is one of the scenes that'll stick with me from this book. Also, the scene where the kids line up and splash the water, like on the or like the Polish guy or the Cossack who they found in the woods. Oh yeah, that enti- those four pages will fucking stay with me.
2: And that scene in particular, I think it's museum. That was the first thing, So that was one of the first night in bed, just reading it straight through, nonstop. And it was quite jolting because every scene, uh, every scene, every uh, chapter was maybe two pages. Yeah. And then you get to that scene and it's the first uh, chapter that's six pages. And it really works in in the narrative that it is this waiting scene and this... Yeah. It, time just slows down it gets very creepy and he's talking about his kids at school he's that line about uh, he's like oh it's something very small like your kneecaps wink wink I'm a Nazi right? (laughs) and And it was it reminded me of like like a Quentin Tarantino like in uh, what was the movie where it's that very small the first scene yeah 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 yeah
0: Yeah. absolutely Um,
1: yeah I think that it's I mean there's a lot of themes that run through this book but power is an interesting thing like uh, sort of where does your power come from and and how much power have you got and how much control have you got over your own life and your own behavior Mm -hmm. and that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff and you choose this incredibly limited character as your heroine that's that's an amazing Uh, yeah just really interesting the 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 sort of like because you're just tempted to be like Oh God, I'm blind. You know, like a blind <laughs> girl is, you know, like, here we go. Uh, but but it was very interesting. I don't know. It was interesting how, what in life prepares you for what comes next and yeah. how people, how you have this sort of do or do not have this arsenal of tools at your disposal and that your whole life up until this totally catastrophic, bizarre event mm-hmm. like what does that prepare you for and just the idea of the father building the I mean the models where I so would love to see and touch those models oh, no but the, no just shit. the idea on the one hand it's like okay it's an interesting device or whatever building mm-hmm. these models but on the other hand that's sort of like the devotion that you see in various tiny acts throughout the book yeah was really I think it's really
0: specific that Jutta or, I feel yeah, like or the Jutta sister, maybe Jutta, yeah. that her husband ends up uh, working on model trains, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Train set in their house, right, I right. and that
1: her son was obsessed with the paper airplanes. Yeah, because so like you knew he he could figure out the bot. Like there was a lot of Werner in him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The tinkering of it. The the um. I also thought that too. I thought the blind girl. Oh boy, like she's are automatically it's very sympathetic character, and we're being manipulated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also thought that it was really bold of the author to do that. To totally. basically have to write with one hand, tied behind his back the main, the focus of the story is someone who can't see. And yet that also brings up a lot of clever ways to describe things because he gets to describe the world as she sees it. Mm-hmm. He also describes the world as an average sight per- sighted person would see it, but he also gets to be very specific. Like there's a way where I think when she's older, she can tell what time of day it is by touching the, a flower, like the way the how far a, 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 a
1: primrose on the balcony. Yeah, yeah,
0: my God, what an amazing.
1: Yeah, by piece how of open sp- or closed the
2: yeah. petals are. Yeah. yeah, And I think as well, like that, that at the beginning, uh, it it really helped. It was like a reintroduction, uh, an ode to falling in love with reading again. To see the fact that she, we yes. were experiencing her reading absolutely, a book through, yeah. and how special it is to yes. read, to read a book that it conjures, it opens up this whole world because you know we forget we forget that it's such a such an amazing thing to read
0: something and then it's in your brain maybe you're right maybe that's why it jumped out at me so much reading this book that alright I'm only get to read this book for the first time once I need to take my time because we were experiencing Marie's uh, love affair with reading and it reminded all of us of when like the first time you picked up a book as a kid that you Mm. really kind of got into and like, for me, running into the school library in, like, fifth or sixth grade, going to, being the first kid to get to the D's, where all the Roald Dahl books were. Right, Like, right. you bolted to get to the D's, and, like, just grab James and <laughs> the Giant Peach or the Witches, like, faster than the next kid. Um, and really seeing a world in your brain for the first time. And reading wasn't boring. It was something wasn't something you were forced to do because of school. The first time you read something as a kid and actually... Understood the power of reading. I think that's why. I think you're exactly right because we get to see her experience that for the first time. Yeah, and there's something really romantic. And about sort of that. the importance of the escapism for it is for her yeah. as
4: well. Yeah, the end when, through,
3: when the uncle gives her the last part of Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah, when the town is you know totally under siege. Yeah, yeah. And, you know she's able to you know to escape as much as possible. Yeah.
0: And it's, and it's such a specific choice that he chose that book. I wonder why the author chose Jules Verne, you know, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, for, for, to be the book that she... Well, he had a whole thing for for shells. Yeah, I, mean, I want to talk I, about that, too. Kind of
3: like I, I don't know if it was... He has another
1: book Wh- what called was... The Shell Collector.
3: Really? Yeah.
0: Oh, right. I believe. Is that true?
1: That's one of the names. I think he has like three or four other books and... He, oh, yeah,
0: the shell. Maybe he's yeah. just really I think into he's shells. Into, uh,
1: I think he's into uh, marine biology.
0: Fair enough. I just couldn't, I didn't quite understand. But the house
3: was kind of a shell. It was sort of, yeah. you know, and even the blind, you know, it's like a yeah. protection thing. And even the blindness kind of protected her from her environment. And, I mean, it didn't. It made her weaker, but she didn't have to see all of the stuff that Absolutely. everybody else was having to, to see. You know, Absolutely. Those,
1: well, I mean, there's that moment where she's in the kennel. And the Nazi, I think, has come for her or whatever has yeah. followed her there, um, uh, which was interestingly one of the first—maybe the, maybe there were other moments, and I'm not recalling them, but one of the first moments where I felt like she was physically threatened. Like, everyone was so worried about her being safe all the time, but she didn't ever seem unsafe. You know, she was very confident no. in what she yeah. could do, and, and and actually everyone treated her with, like, enough respect that it was sort of like, if you just learn another way, you can you can— cope with the world or whatever. The uncle, obviously the uncle was a more terrified character than she yeah. was, but that was the first time where you were like, Oh, it's, it's not safe in the world for her. And, and people, I never felt other people's gaze on her before until that mm-hmm. moment where yeah. we were like, Oh, people can just watch her and follow her. And like the terror of that. But in that moment, uh, she, I think says she, she says that she, crawls into a ball like a mollusk or like a whelk or something like that that like basically a wealth, yeah. like, a, she crawls into her shell
0: right. and she says yeah. that she is a whelk at some point she describes herself as a whelk <laughs> when someone is <laughs> <laughs> well
1: snails typical <laughs> gross
0: I'm trying to think of another um, example in pop culture that not like there's a Nazi as sympathetic as the Nazi at the head of this as I mean, he's not a, yeah, as well,
1: I'll tell you what I saw maybe last year, a, a, um, German miniseries. It's not a book. Um, a German miniseries called, I think, Generation War. Uh And it was all about, um, it was about a young group of, a group of friends, um, at the onset of World War II and what happens to each one of them. And mm-hmm. like, and it was a bit forced, you know, one of them Jewish and two of them are brothers and one of the, you know, and they all kind of meet in this bar and like, this is their place, their pub or whatever. And then the war takes them in various places. Um, but it was one of the first times, and I and I was thinking about how that was such a difficult show probably for a German television station to make. Oh my because God. Yeah. So much of obviously the po- post-war war period has been about, punishing and about like how you influence the narratives. And I thought it was so interesting the last couple of pages, how normal and boring and terrible uh, some of the people's like Volkheimer's life was. Yeah. And the idea that totally. this guy had peaked actually Yeah. inside of something, which which he's very careful to not, the author is very careful to not really give people's personal philosophy. Like, actually, yeah. I don't think anybody was like, other than the the monsters at the school that ran the school, yeah. there isn't one person that's like, we need to do this for the Fuhrer. Or we need to do, you know, like you just do get a sense that they're caught up in this kind of, mission, whatever it's worth, and that this is their cog in the wheel. And I don't mean like we're blameless for what we do no. in this way or whatever, but just this idea that you're, that survival is so day-to-day and, and this kid's 17 or 16 or whatever Werner was. And, and anyway, it just was inter- interesting to me that perspective on that experience, like that yeah. it kind of did a very good job of skirting the kind of anti-Semitism and Nazism of, of it all. Absolutely. And that it was just like, this subtle. is a time. And, and yeah, there was
3: really only the one instance of the anti-Semitism with the neighbor of the his rich yeah. friends like yeah. heard their neighbor back in Berlin. Yeah. Really didn't, they kind of avoid, I mean, it was sort of avoided, but I guess in in like coastal France, it probably wasn't, you know, it wasn't as present yeah. as like yeah, yeah. Poland or something. Right, right.
1: Well, just because there were no... Jews to chase out of town. Exactly. I mean, right. they'd already been they'd right. already been chased. But that uh, that scene when the sisters on the train and she says she doesn't want to speak uh, French with a German accent or whatever it is right. because it, like I didn't didn't occur to me that in 1974 or whatever it was the people were still living with that aftermath. Like, you yeah. know, Europe is so compact, and that yeah. the idea that like oh God, and that guy doesn't have a leg, and he's going to blame me, and so I just don't want to speak, and yeah. you know, like that kind of guilt that just never. Leaves you something. There,
0: there was a wonderful description that I marked that I want to read. Um, it's on page one thirty nine. It's when he, it, the school is, is described, and it's done su- in such a specific way um, to it make it reminds me of like Boy Scouts, like this idea of like community, whether or not your ultimate goal is to, like, take over the world and murder all the Jews that you can. This explanation was so simple and, like, made sense. The star-flooded nights, the dew-soaked dawns, the hushed ambulatories, the enforced aestheticism, never has Warner felt part of something so single-minded. Never has he felt such a hunger to belong. And the rows of dormitories are cadets who talk of alpine skiing, of duels of jazz clubs. I'm skipping. They hustle through the gates together, gulp fried eggs in the refectory together, march across the quadrangle, perform roll call, salute the colors, shoot rifles, run, bathe, and suffer together. They are each a mound of clay. And the potter that is the portly, shiny-faced commandant is throwing 400 identical pots. The way that it's described is sort of a just like factory. Yeah, the but it, almost that it's camaraderie. Yes. That we're all the same, that we are all trying to climb up this ladder, this very specific militarized ladder and we are all part of we are all one. Um I it reminded me of like boy scouts and That's that was, what
1: Hitler Youth I mean that right. that was such a big part of indoctri- that indoctrination. Yeah. Was the Hitler Youth program. It was like getting kids to to uh band together and then eliminate the kind of other elements.
2: Mm-hmm. Can I throw another small quote that's on that theme as well? I think, I think, as you were saying, like, you, you see quite easily how, uh, from a child, he segued into n- not even the mindset, like this, this bit here, page 277. Werner laces his boots and sings the songs and marches the marches, acting less out of duty than out of a time-worn desire to be dutiful. Yeah, 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 Oh, yeah, yeah that exactly. stuck with
1: me also. Perfect.
2: Yeah, that's a perfect that. idea example of, of his that. character, yeah. Yeah. Uh, made,
1: that explained – it felt like it explained everything. Yeah, he yeah. was very
2: careful not to say, this is why the children very – it was just these – they weren't seismic shifts. It was the slow paving beneath these children's feet. And I think we also forget because it, it's – when people are like, oh, well, remembering the Hitler Youth and stuff, they were just children – but but we think of children i think in america and europe as as still like a slightly older like we grow up a lot later now and it's like no 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 he's like a kid Yeah. like he was you know collect still collecting toys yeah exactly and then was taken away right and that that also just helped remind me oh yeah it was so easy to just become a part yeah, of that machine yeah to say
0: yes we're going to take the briefest of breaks and we'll be right back with more reading aloud Building a website can be tough, and even if you do know your way around coding, which I don't, I mean, who knows that? Nerds do. Creating something that looks good and works well is a time-consuming affair. Whether it's for a, a business site, a portfolio, a restaurant, or whatever else, in this day and age, you probably need one anyway. Well, lucky for us, Squarespace makes it very easy to build beautiful websites without breaking a sweat. Squarespace provides simple, powerful, and beautiful websites that look professionally designed regardless of your skill level, no coding required. Not only does Squarespace provide you with intuitive and easy-to-use tools to create your website, Squarespace also has state-of-the-art technology powering your site to ensure security and stability. And you know you can trust in Squarespace for your website needs when millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world trust them too. Seriously, you can't beat the ease and simplicity of Squarespace. It gives you 24-7 online support and a beautiful website for only 8 bucks a month. That's nothing. You can even get a free domain if you buy Squarespace for the year. So what are you waiting for? Start a trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code Nate to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for reading aloud. Thanks, Squarespace, for your support of Reading Aloud. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Let me ask you a question. Would you classify yourself as a geek, gamer, or pop culture nerd? Well, then Loot Crate is the subscription box for you. Loot Crate is a subscription box service with $40 worth of geek, gamer, and pop culture gear, collectibles, apparel, comics, etc., delivered to your mailbox every month. Make sure to head to lootcrate.com slash nate and enter code nate to save three bucks on any new subscription. Every month, there's a different theme, which are all inspired by classic movie and video game releases, as well as pulling from pop culture franchises. Previous crates have included items from Star Wars, Marvel, The Walking Dead, The Legend of Zelda, and many more. So call forth some hard-hitting companions and get ready to summon an epic Loot Crate. They're celebrating all the monsters you can fit in your pocket and the ones you need some crazy circle drawing skills to bring to the mortal realm. This month's crate features an exclusive collectible they're told is the, quote, most important object in pretty much the whole universe, close quote. Plus, awesome items from Blizzard, Kid Robot, and tons more. Basically, Loot Crate is like a friend who knows what you love, and surprises you with an awesome gift every month. And did we mention we ship over to 13 different countries? Yeah, you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, it happens. That's it, it's over. So go to LootCrate.com slash Nate and enter code Nate to save three bucks on your new subscription today. We're back with more Reading Aloud I need, I, uh, Frederick.
1: I was just gonna let's say, let's just spend I some time. Like that, I feel like Frederick <sighs> let's has. Let's
0: spend some time. It has everything
1: fruity. to do with furniture. Sitting
2: in
0: his little chair uh, with his bird uh, books and. Fuck me.
1: Yeah, that was incredible. Can,
0: can someone help me with this? <laughs> someone help me. This final scene, literally, I wrote, oh. help me understand, <laughs> underline <laughs> exclamation <laughs> point. Uh, well, they, they really wanted to shove the mother's
1: face in her own shit a little bit. Yeah, what she was such a she was such a yeah. She was, pretty, ca- she was a well drawn character. Yeah. She was just she, laughing at the cafe. She had where, really <laughs> swallowed the Nazi
0: Kool Aid. <laughs> oh yeah, well, it was just
1: everything was going great for her. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> like the best time of her life. And she's
0: going to get to move into the the Jewish woman's apartment yeah. pretty soon uh, when she, she gets to take, the
3: upstairs flat. Yeah, uh, come exactly, on. <laughs> exactly. I <laughs> loved
0: that. What is what happens in this final scene where? Um, where the package comes, and they, and they go outside, and then this—the owl. Um, it's an owl as big as a child. It swivels its neck and blinks its yellow eyes, and her head roars a single thought: "You've come for me." Frederick sits up straight. The owl hears something. It holds there, listening as hard as she has ever seen anything listen. Frederick stares and stares. "You saw it," she whispers. "Did you see it, Freddy?" Muddy says, Fre- "Frederick, Muddy, I'm here, Freddy. What are we doing, Muddy?" He looks at her. His eyes did not blink. What? What happens in that? Sea? What happens? He sees she's obsessed with birds. He's beaten within an inch of his life. He's basically uh, without any sort of brain function the rest of his adult life. This pack- package comes. He's taken out the bird. <laughs> lands and then he has he says he actually like does he come to in that moment like is he actually is there some brain function because he sees
3: the it's it seems like it's to me i thought it that it seemed like a literal like he kind of woke up for a second and And, maybe he was still 16 or 17 when he woke up when he
0: says what are we doing yeah is that literally what are we doing out here Or like, is it sort of? Is it a much bigger question? Like, what are we doing? As if like he's back being a child. Like, what are we doing, being Nazis following this? Like, what?
1: I thought um, I would. I'd have to go back to that scene when Werner goes to visit him again after he just before he leaves for the front.
0: Oh, I. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I I thought maybe
1: he did have some function. It was just more that he was. He was sort of uh, unreachable. Pretending. Yeah. Called faking whatever, uh, but the no no. But I, I thought he had la- some language, so uh, I. I don't to think me, he had any. To me, I thought that that they must have that conversation every night, but I could be wrong. Like there was this sort of purgatory oh. to their exi- the, the owl is a whole other thing, but the. that there was sort of this purgatory to their
2: existence he's just like drawing circles yeah yeah.
0: spirals I don't 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 remember
3: that he spoke to Werner I don't think he did he
0: had dribble coming down his mouth he was just on pages he was just drawing spirals it's on uh, where you yeah you're using your computer there was a
2: line he says to Werner as well earlier on where he says like uh, I think Vern is like, oh, I can help you. Or you know, maybe you should, you know, start taking part. And yeah. Frederick says, uh, he's like, your mistake is that you still think your life is your own, right? Which is pretty prescient for a young, yeah. young kid. Like, yeah. He's, uh, and then I think soon after, yeah, they they all just beat the hell out of him.
0: Yeah, he he does. I I, t- I take it back. He does. Frederick does say something. He does. But he says. Um, Frederick lifts the pencil, studying, and then reapplies it. Uh, less than a week, Frederick works his mouth as if to chew air. You look pretty, he says. He's He does not look directly at Werner, and his words are close to moans. You look very pretty, very pretty, Mama. I'm not your mama, hisses Werner. Come on now. So it seems like he has... Some language. Maybe he come. He, yeah, he speaks a little bit, but his he's like no longer there. That scene fucking devastated me. I loved little Frederick. It was you know, nice so as well that
2: the, the as you were saying, like the the young adult kind of feel of a lot of it, and then suddenly he yes. would, he would drop this in. Yes, this very uh, the coldness of World War Two. Yeah. Uh, and I, I did like that as well. Like towards the end, I thought I was like, uh oh, here comes the big wrap up. It's and it, I, I felt I was. It was getting a bit twee, and I was worried. And then there's this horrific uh, rape scene where they just let it happen. I was, and I, I yeah. felt glad that they. It was another like cold brick at the end. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And the way it was written too was kind mm-hmm. of like it was so sparse. You're like, wait, wait, what? Yes. like where she was like, this is gonna happen, and it was like, <laughs> what? Uh, wait, what do you mean it's just yeah. gonna happen? Like I, yeah, like you, you know, it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're the mother here. Whatever, Frau Elena is the is was that her name? It was yeah, the yeah. was the mother figure, and it was just like this is what's going to happen, here's how it's going to go, and and they were all like okay, and 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 then I don't think that they were, um, uh. I don't think they were necessarily. Like acquiescing to it. Well, what
3: were they going to do? It was
1: just. But don't you? F- I mean, they were
3: all starving to death. They had been, you know, they were living in this place. No, were, of course. But I you know, think
1: I think part of it is like I think another like maybe little theme of this book is that, or big theme is like. And and actually, it's exactly—sorry, it's what happens in the moment where Frederick uh, faces the Nazi in the attic. And the question is, what would you do? Yeah. If you're—like, if like when the moment—your life prepares you for something, yeah. and you come to this moment, how are you going to react? Yeah. And the, what's heroism and what's pragmatism and what's, like— what can you conjure in a moment when, like that moment comes, and do you even know that moment is the moment when it's
2: coming? And also, what, if I may, what was horrible was that y- you heard them earlier on the, the family and the young girls being warned and having these horror stories of mm. they will come, they will rape, they will kill. You have mm. to do this and this, yep. and then and that's a lot earlier on. And then when you reach this scene, you're like, oh, they've 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 heard these stories. They're prepared. They're,
0: they're prepared yeah. For yeah. This? Yeah. It's fucking horrible. Those three, and it's so, like I, I love. I also love the description. It is so sparse. Mm-hmm. It's like two, a page and a half, well, and it, it's and then it's gone.
1: And it even it's individually like thought, is like, how does each one deal with it? Yeah, yeah. and each yeah. one like he two literally sentences. goes to every single one. She of them She moans. Yeah. She
0: does nothing. She yeah. lo- stares at the ceiling and, and says one or some or the, the guy. Coughs. The guys saying the names. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. Right.
1: And Frailina coughs.
0: Yeah. Once, right. Or
1: something like that.
0: And I feel like that happens in my brain. I feel like. Ma- that happens maybe 5 pages after Werner steps on the mine it does yeah. it happens right after well and what other. happens
1: right after that is you're almost immediately like in her kitchen in 1974 and yeah. she's got mm. a son and she's like and you're just like shit or this woman's just, first, this woman yeah. teaches fucking math and is yeah. making, yeah, yeah, making yeah. dinner
0: yeah yeah
1: and like this is what happened to her when she was 16 years oh, old you God know damn. but that is it's so interesting to me that kind of like how do you, what do you carry with, you know, In that she yeah. doesn't want the bag. She doesn't want to open up all that stuff again.
0: Yeah. But we're yeah. so,
1: I mean, not to be like, we're so lucky in this country, but we just don't, maybe it's our generation, but we don't carry those kind of scars with us in the same way. Yeah. They well, Grandparents. God. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> the shit God, that all the people that you have met in your lifetime growing up that you were like, that you're like, oh yeah, I, I was thinking of my dad. My dad had this older friend, um, dr feldman who was in uh was part of d-day or whatever wow and so and he went back just before he died they had the big d-day celebration whatever that was like five years ago or I, i know i'm getting this wrong but and i remember as a kid always thinking like when people were like oh i haven't been back to so such and such a place since and you were always like well, why wouldn't they go? Like, I, I don't know. You know, like yep. the idea that you would, why wouldn't you go back to Europe or why wouldn't you go back to a place or whatever? And then he went to that D-Day celebration and I was like, well, that's interesting. But I always kind of wondered like what part of him wanted to be there. Was it about being mm. a Patriot or was it about, and I think so much of it, it was like when they described him St. Malmo or St. Mal, whatever it is, St. Yeah. Malo, uh, that the idea that when she's like running around with her son on the fortress and checking it out and yes. whatever, and like just the fucking sheer, the sheer like you're surrounded by ghosts yes. and like mm-hmm. sadness Death and, and devastation. bones yeah. and like you know it just everywhere. Yeah. I mean, from that the corsair's basement to you know, and even that was kind of like oh you're in a pirate's basement like <laughs> right. who knows how many bodies are d- are down there, yeah, yeah, but just yeah. like there were, everything is built. And I and I guess kind of this is a sort of that bit about the diamond too, where it's like all this shit had to happen this is for this stone to be created. We haven't
0: we've been doing this for forty minutes, and we this we just mentioned the, stone. the, the di- yeah, yeah, for the first time. Yeah, uh, what, what, yeah, why and what? Well, that was the, when you when you when you said it was a fairy
3: tale. that yeah, was yeah. what made it the fairy tale to me. Absolutely, this this mythic thing that this. You know, that this hunchback is coming to find, yeah. that, you know, that they've cast to the far reaches of Europe so yeah. they couldn't find it because of yeah. the, the mythic powers it may or may not have. And even how it's hidden behind, what, 13 doors or
0: something? Yeah. And the last door has a special lock or right. something. I was sure that the final page of this book was going to be the transfer of that stone from some old <laughs> blind woman's hand to someone else's hand in some sneaky fashion. Like that—that's the—that's what we are following from page one, and and it's just forgotten.
1: This is a, and this, it's lost. This is tangential, so we can come back to it. But I'm—I was curious what people thought about Werner going back for the house and taking it, or or whether he went back for yeah, it. Yeah, I was confused. Or whether he took it well. when she just threw it in, when yeah. she was like, "Is it in the water? Is it in the water?" And was that just about the fact that he was in love with her and he wanted a keepsake of that interaction. Like
0: to remember well, the house? Yeah, yeah. her you know and I mean? the importance of the house because that's yeah. where all where the music and the, their, her well, grandfather. They, and they heard the broadcast. Yeah. He and his sister heard all the broadcast. And the yeah. key, why
1: did she give him the key? The key was to the kennel, right? Or something else?
0: Uh, the key was, yeah, the key was to the weird creepy sea place. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But why? I don't know, yeah. That didn't grab me at the end when... When they open it and the key falls in her hand, um, I was straining to picture because it, it was such an intricate. I'm like, what does that, what does this
2: box look like? Have that on the cover of the book so I can figure. Have it come yeah, as yeah. a little diorama right. I can take <laughs> yeah. out. And yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. I was
2: super confused where stuff went at the end.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it f- it it got a little um, unspecific. I, I wanted to know exactly what was happening in those final moments. Um, um
1: but to go back to the diamond for a minute. Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't know. I guess I was also confused why it was so I mean I kind of liked that because it was the fairy tale aspect, but I was confused by it was so, why it was so important to the museum to to not I guess to have it not fall into the wrong hands. And I guess part of that is that when you do that kind of work you have to believe in the mythology to some uh-huh. extent. Uh-huh. But what does it mean when something's kept in a box? And what is it you know what I mean? Like I always have trouble grasping the well, somebody, the value of things like that. Yeah.
0: I think the number that they said was that it was worth like 20 million francs, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And to put something that value, valuable in the hands of the Nazis, that they could sort of – that they had that power to – not the mythical power, but the power of something that has that much worth – Um, And also the idea of them collecting every sort of antiquity in Europe and building this amazing museum for all It would come
1: back to the idea being that if you sent the collection away, once the war was over, it would all come back to the museum.
0: Say that again? What that do you mean?
1: basically, like, all the important stuff, they scattered as soon as yeah, they knew the you, Germans were coming. Right, in the hopes and the idea they could get it all back. But also, that was something that was just living in the basement of the museum. It's not like it was on display in the museum.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, hit. they must have really believed that it had the power. Absolutely. They, yeah. I, I think it's I like think a, a Maybe. You know what I mean? It's like
1: you may as well believe in God because shit. Because what What if if you're you're wrong? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you know, like what what if you get up there and you're like, no, this is you were misinterpreting this whole time. What I thought about you, (laughs) yeah, I just didn't want other people to know how important you were to me. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
0: I I really loved um, something I just thought about was the imagery, was like the regret imagery that Werner has after they shoot the little girl and the Ugh. mother. Oh, yeah. And when oh, that was awful. Oh, my yeah. God, so powerful. When, he's, when they're trapped underneath the hotel and he's seeing these ghosts, like, float sort of in and out from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it just makes, it just endears you more to him that he has these regrets that probably Volkheimer and, what's his name, one and two didn't have, or burned... Yeah, burned, and then like yeah. Newman one, one and two. And two. Yeah. Newman, yeah, yeah. Um, but the the just the literal description that the author has of him seeing those images of the girl of the ghosts sort of come down and disappear and change form, and all of a sudden turn into an old woman, um, I thought was so specific, and and was one of those moments where it stops being twee, where it's it's mm-hmm. one of those like. Really heavy moments of darkness and death and regret, and it sort of pulls you down for a second. Uh, that that's another. I always try to like write down the things that are going to stay with me with this book. The frozen um, Cossack. Um, mm-hmm. There was also an amazing image of um, of Marie dancing when she hears the music for the first time, when Etienne puts on the music Mm. uh, because they're not allowed to play it, and he just decides... And they dance together to the songs. Yeah. Oh, my God.
2: There was an image that stayed with me. There was a description early on, and and it kind of ruined... Marie for me a uh-huh. little. I can't remember who it was describing her. It wasn't the the narrator. It was another character, and it says that he he looked at her and like her blind eyes were kind of roomy, whatever. But yeah, he, he describes it as uh, like little spider egg sacs, little mm-hmm. white spider egg sacs. Really? I was like, oh great! For the rest <laughs> of the book, <laughs>
1: oh I didn't remember that. That I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> that's gross. I didn't
0: rem- remember that either. It's horrific. Thank God. I remember her hands being described as spider hands. Oh, okay. When she was, when she was reading, that the father described. Her I can hands.
2: love a girl with spider hands. Sure, not the eyes. spider eyes. <laughs> nah, nah.
0: I get that. Uh, we're gonna take our last break and come up and uh, and come back and finish up. Uh, we're talking about all the light we cannot see. It's reading loud, and we'll be right back. Your season-long fantasy football team may be going strong, or it may be in the toilet like mine. Des Bryant got hurt, etc. But you don't have to wait until Week 16 to get paid. Nah, nah, nah. Put your fantasy skills to the test every single week at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. Sam, do you know that right this moment? I mean, it's there's one more game to play, but I'm up seven. $100 right now. I did not know that. Yeah, I I played Brady, I played Gronk, and then uh what's his name? Uh, Eddie Lacy had a huge week for me, so I might win $700. That's crazy and you're still so humble. One week fantasy means no season long commitments. Do you have an injured player like I do? No problem. It's like a new season every week, so you're never stuck with the same players. And get this, DraftKings is crowning a new millionaire every week this season. It's probably going to be me, Sam. What do you think about that? I I think you think it can be. You could turn your love of football into a life-changing payday. Just pick your players, pile up the points, and pick up your cash. That's it. Believe me, you've never experienced football like this before. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code READ. I'm going to do that, to play for free for a shot at $1 million in this week's Millionaire Maker event. Enter Reed for free entry now, only at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's, for the third time, DraftKings.com. And when I win, Sam, I'm not going to give you a dime. I believe it. I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Howl FM, the best and most convenient way to listen to all the episodes of Reading Aloud on the web at howl.fm and on the go with the Howl app. Yeah, you can stream and download all Reading Aloud episodes that have been released in the past six months and go beyond the audio with behind the scenes photos, commentaries and more. But there's a way to go further. Yes. Yes. You can go deeper by upgrading to Howl Premium for only $4.99 a month. You get exclusive access to the entire Reading Aloud archive and to all the Earwolf and Wolfpop archives. This includes all episodes older than six months, all remastered with zero ads. That's right. No ads. Only with Howl Premium. Listen to hundreds of hours of the WTF podcast with Mark Marin, classic interviews in there, Robin Williams, Louis C.K., and more. Howl has also partnered with some of your favorite hosts and comedians to develop Howl Originals, brand new shows available only with Howl Premium. Check out the great new series from Lauren Lapkus and the AV Club right now. Already, there are 10 brand new hilarious Howl originals, and we're adding new shows every week. Get access to all this exclusive content, both on your phone and on your desktop, with Howl Premium for only $4.99 per month. And with the promo code READING, You get a full month of a free trial. Just go to Howl.fm and enter code READING at checkout. Remember, you can use Howl on your phone or your computer, but you can only use my promo code on Howl.fm. That's the website. So go to Howl.fm, that's H-O-W-L.fm, and use the promo code READING for one free trial of Howl Premium. It's Reading Aloud. (laughs) I'm with Robert Baker, Ryan Cartwright, and Jessica Chaffin. They've all joined me for the book club, and we're talking about All the Light We Cannot See, which won the Pulitzer Prize in 2014. Um, I think it's funny, Ryan, listening to your description about how um, it's something that's going to stay with you, but you don't want to use the word love. It's making me sort of reconsider how I feel about it because I feel You're
2: like. You're welcome. <laughs> I can do that for many. For shattering this book for me. <laughs> I'll filter it. <laughs> um,
0: I'm. I'm. Uh, I. This is our tenth, tenth book club book, and I'm trying to like rank them in my brain, as far as the books that I've loved the most, and this is like number two, like two or three. It's way. It's way up there.
1: What's up at the top?
0: Um, the corrections. Uh, just because I'm a fucking friends and obsessive, and I think that book is incredible, and also deals with things that I find really fascinating, which is just like the American yeah. suburban family. Yeah, family. Before, just
3: before I would read this, I think I had told my wife at some point this year, I was like, if I I don't ever want to hear or read or see anything to do with World War II ever again. I was like, yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. It's already been told <laughs> so many different That's ways. Absolutely. So many, it's like, I've, I I get it. I, I get it. And then, wh- and this, I, I, I have to say, I love it because this
0: completely, I, I, you know, had to eat my words. It was one of the reasons why I almost didn't pick up this book is because that genre doesn't interest me because it's been worn over, you know, again and again and again. And just personally, my own taste, I love... I love American suburbia. I love American families. I love the sort of minutia of, you know, mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers. that because kind of, I mean, that's something we can all relate to and we all understand. Books that take place in Europe in the past are not high on my list if I'm doing like fun, casual reading. So the only reason I would put this second or third is because it's it's not because the topic isn't my favorite topic, you know. Um, but I still did love it. And I would absolutely recommend it to people with sort of, uh, yeah, you saying that it was young adult, it, it, it's so easy and accessible to read. There isn't, he's not asking you to dig much. There isn't much digging here. You don't have to do much self-reflection.
1: Yeah, no, there aren't of, a lot of difficult questions posed, even though it's all difficult.
0: hmm If mm-hmm. that makes any it's sense. It's very yeah. rare that I had to reread a sentence. That didn't happen too many times. And other books th- that are a little more complex and complicated and have different different language, I have to reread and sort of close read. Yeah. This, I didn't feel like I had to do that. I had to do that with H's for Hawk a bit, actually. Yeah, that was an odd one. But yeah.
2: for all
3: of its simplicity, I still found it very effective. In a- Absolutely. And affecting, like, the the just sort of, like, at the end, just kind of, there was just sort of a there weren't even like really specific moments of what made everyone so sad but just like I mean it's obvious why they were sad but it just kind of there was just sort of like a, a, a patina of like sadness over yeah. everyone and like mm-hmm. and it's they like would talk or- about how like you know just in the way he would do it, kind of simply like a quickening in the ribs or so, you know like to say like yeah. they would get excited I think he says describes that about Yuta when when Volkheimer shows up like how like the quickening in her ribs you know like yeah, yeah, a, yeah. her heart Rate increasing, yeah. you know, like just sort of brought everything back. Yeah. And they were kind of, and people kind of missed things, but they weren't super specific about what it's just sort of a, just kind of a vague sadness that yeah. came on. I thought it was really effective. Yeah.
0: I really love the specificity too of his, of we we're talking about enormous things and entire yeah. nations and countries. And then a paragraph later, he's going down to the specificity of like a finger on a, a like, the father like whittling whittling wood and the emotion that like the smell of that and the smell of the cooking with the father and the and the daughter marie in the first you know 50 pages oh, it was enormous it,
1: it was so it was so uh it may be manipulative, I don't know, but like when they, when she, when he opens that can for her and it's peaches and they share oh, it yeah. it's peaches, I swear, I like, I, I gasped when I was I like, oh, it's peaches, of I couldn't it, believe it. Like, a, you know, like he, of course it was. it was. Yeah, the only thing but. he could
3: eat. He had been totally sick up to that point and was sick. Yeah, yeah. For the rest of after, do we
1: think it. he died of lead poisoning? Is that what we think? No, he,
0: stood, he stepped on a landmine.
1: No, I know, but he. His sickness.
0: Before oh, his sickness. Yeah. Oh. I guess, yeah, because they were drinking that lead water. Rather like Volkheimer. He yeah, Lived to a thousand, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> true. The
3: fucking Volk, the German yeah. Vulcan.
0: <laughs> uh, we'll wrap up the uh, the book club here. I want to get everyone's sort of general thoughts. Um, if they would recommend this book to your friend and anything that stuck with them. Um, Robert, I love your description of this sort of like, it was almost like a layer of gauze over the whole book. There was just this like, Enduring sadness that was very subtle. Yeah. Um, and I really loved sitting on my couch and reading this book. Um, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed like being with this book for a couple weeks. Yeah. I love these characters. They were very easy and accessible and they're very warm. And I loved sort of following all of their paths. Um, and I would tell, like, if my mom and dad wanted to wanted a book to read, I would recommend it to both of my parents that they should read this book. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? Would you tell Amanda to... I mean, uh, Robert, would you tell Amanda to read this book?
3: Yeah, she wants to read it because I went on so much about it. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just this this a massive world event that you've learned so much about and you hear so much about and you see so much stuff about. This was just like a different telling of it. It was such a small and specific telling of it, that it it just made it interesting to me again, Yeah, you know, like to see how it affected these very specific people. And I'd never, I didn't, I mean, I knew about Hitler Youth a bit, but not about like the kind of school he went to. And then I just loved how he had this one personality tick and this one talent that made him so useful and desired by them. And, yeah. you know, it was just... And, and like, I loved how they were stealing the Nathan Hale quote and saying it was a famous German quote, the, like, uh, 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 whatever the Nathan – you know, like, the one life to – oh, my only regret is I have but one life to lose for my country. And they were saying, like, ah, that's an old German saying, (laughs) you know. (laughs) That's not true. Just the the reshaping of this event into a a new – I don't know a new version of yeah. it or a new telling of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What stuck with me yeah, why I would recommend it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ryan Cartwright.
2: Uh, I'd recommend it to friends. Uh, anyone who's fallen away from reading, I think it's a—it's so easy to get back mm-hmm. into. Yeah, and you'll be like, oh, I just read that whole thing. It's like uh, such
0: a—that's a great point. Uh,
2: it, like, like with her, like it, it just reminds you of the aesthetic. Uh, of just picking up a book and enjoying it yeah um, yeah
0: I'd recommend it yeah highly just, highly Jessica Chaffin
1: I think that's the experience I had I mean I have like all this guilt that I carry around about not reading <laughs> yeah totally. and I loved reading as a kid and as I was sitting here I was like oh reading's like oh it's a- Fucking stupid! No, I was like, it's like the new binge watching. Like, I was like, it's like, it's like, instead of waiting for the whole series to come out, you could just read the whole book. The whole book. series is here. <laughs> the whole series is right here. Um So I look forward to that being taught in junior high schools yeah. across the country. And on top of not reading, um, you can be like,
3: I just read a 550-page n- book about World War II. Well, <laughs> I great I no, no, I was also <laughs>
1: having. We were. We. I was. I was saying this in the beginning, but. I read it on my iPad, and what's annoying is that if you don't, if you I hold it the long way, but if you hold it the other way, the chapters really are young adult chapters because they're like (laughs) totally five sentences each page, (laughs) and they're like I read a thousand pages. (laughs) Um, So I am a good reader, but um, and actually we talked about this Nate the. So, whatever it doesn't matter. Now so what? somebody said there's two kinds of readers, And one is some people have to people sound it out in their in their head as they're going, and other people just like it just they absorb the words or whatever. Um, and we were saying that we both like read it out in loud in our heads. So yeah, it's just I always feel like I'm such a slow reader, but it's more like you're just kind of like going through the thing. um, yeah, I think my experience was a combination, but I think, Yeah, I think this is not like the sexiest part of World War II when people talk about it. This is not like a Nazi paraphernalia conference, you know, where people are like, (laughs) who are the people there? And it's like, it's just old white dudes. Don't get too excited. (laughs) (laughs) It's in Florida. um, But that that's the that fascination with evil and the machine. and And, like I was saying, that's a lifelong fascination of mine. Um, and I feel like, and I went to Auschwitz last year because I like wanted to be in the place, see the stuff, and have always wanted to go since yeah. I was little. But this was so interesting to me. And and actually, I, I I we don't have time to get into this, but I'm curious, like about when people talk about like the bombing in London, the bombings in London, and the you know like the Blitz, right, right. and just like the, we, the all the stories of like well, well, during the Blitz, this person had this job and this person had this job, and like how even today you can still feel when you're there how united that country feels by like how, what fucking badasses they were at that time, and that they mm. would like go to work and then at night be like. You know, just the sturdiest people ever well, made. We have
2: so many things to divide us still there that it's it's still easy to forget. <laughs> but I
1: mean, you go into <laughs> Churchill's War Rooms and you're like, shit, this was the, like, the, I mean, like every night. And then you think, oh, it went on for a little while. And it's like it was like a year and a half or yeah. whatever yeah. it was. But this was such an interesting um, just Picture, oh, I'm so sorry, I think that's me. Uh, and I'm embarrassed. Um, <laughs> such a window into what it meant to have to suffer every day and to never know if there would be an end to it, yeah, and to even just have to find food or whatever it was. Like, I feel like that is a part of this really romantic period in history that is often overlooked. And it was really interesting to have a window into, yeah, it was a really like just yeah. what it meant to try and be a normal person and to try and like still. Hold on to those kind of basic tenets of survival and love and family and and you know. So suddenly, be given
2: a new possible narrative for your life when, as a child, you think, "Oh, this and this," and then I'll be a parent and I'll and then suddenly that's pulled. You know, no, no, here's the new, here's the new sides, guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) I'm doing this now live. (laughs) Well,
1: and how extraordinary that. T- like of course that was the most significant time in all of their lives. Like maybe they all went on to do other things or did or didn't, but like that they're all kind of frozen in the past in that same place. Yeah.
0: Or whatever. It's it's a period in time and period of history that you could talk about for hours. And uh, and this book is so full and rich and it's a very. I love you said Ryan. That's a for someone who hasn't been reading. This is a great sort of like a welcome back. That. Like, no, no, reading is fun and it paints totally. beautiful pictures of the And not in, in a brain.
2: patronizing way. No, like, no, no it's just all. fun. Yeah. Like,
0: it's. Oh,
1: no, I yeah. felt completely that yeah, way. No, you're exactly right. I don't know what to read next. Nate will tell me.
0: Uh, you're listening to Reading Aloud. This is a book club episode. Robert Baker, Ryan Cartwright, and Jessica Chaffin have joined me. Thanks so much for listening and go pick up Jonathan Franzen's Purity for next month's book club. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Nate Cordry. You can follow us on Twitter at Reading Aloud Pod and get all the updates an amazing live show last weekend by the way with a great cast um, and thank you to all of them who came to UCB and thanks to you if you came and checked it out uh, you're listening to Reading Loud and we'll see you next week goodbye
3: oh you hit me like a hurricane
4: Listeners, it's me, Darren Toblerone. You might have heard me and my brother, Aaron Toblerone, on the California Supreme Wind Show, the only podcast all about California Supreme Windows, just minutes from the 405, your number one spot to get great deals on Windows and now also Door. But there are many more podcasts than just my brother's podcast. It's true, like with special guest Lauren Lapkus, for example. Every week she plays a different character and she's the guest of someone else who's playing another character who's the host. It's complicated, but it's also not. But it's also great, almost like a jigsaw puzzle. Listen to this. Get off your knees, you damn idiot. Oh, I love you, Regina. Stand up. <laughs> I'm going to yes. give you osteoporosis <laughs> in your knees with my cane. <laughs> Stand up, you idiot. I will, master. <laughs> Put on this ball gag, you bitch. (laughs) 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 Take it out. You liked it too much. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Mommy. So sit by your favorite window and listen to with special guest Lauren Lapkus on Earwolf.com, iTunes, or the podcast player of your choice. Doinky windows forever. Goodbye. Hop. Pop? Pop!
0: Pop, 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 pop. Pop, 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 pop. pop, 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 pop. Wolfpop is part of Midroll Media, executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear.